Hi, I'm uh, Simon. I, uh, I'm in grade 12. I play piano a lot here at Vic in jazz band, and I also do a lot of other music stuff outside of school. At Vic, I'm in concert band and jazz band, and I have been in acting before, and I played in Mary Poppins Orchestra. All right, welcome on the podcast, Simon. Hi. All right, so I have a list of questions for you, and you've already given like a small intro in the beginning, but do you want to just... Say more about yourself, just really quick, for people that don't really know you. Sure. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm in grade twelve. Um, gonna gonna graduate really soon, so um, definitely uh, that's exciting. I um, yeah, I, like I said, I, I play piano a lot. I've been taking classical piano lessons for years, and just recently been doing more jazz stuff. And here at Vic, I was in the Mary Poppins pit band, and also in all the jazz band stuff. And I uh, just like playing music. Yeah, that's nice. So I've got a list of questions here. Um, right. But before I get to them, <clears throat> how's your year been so far? You know? How's life? It's pretty all right. I mean, I um, personally, I'm not the, the biggest fan of school. I, I would rather be at home just practicing or watching television or whatever. But um, overall, I think it's been pretty positive. Um, lots of good things going on, of course. Grade 12, you know, sort of, sort of at the end get to graduate at the end. So, I mean, that's exciting. I've got grad photos on Thursday, so... Oh, nice. What shows are you watching so far? Right now? Mm -hmm. um, right now I'm watching Friends and um, Star Wars Rebels. Oh, nice. My family's watching Friends right now, and I... I watched like four seasons, and then I was... I, I just couldn't get onto it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, a, it's a little repetitive. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoy the characters, though. I haven't seen Rebels. Rebels is something that I want to get to eventually, but it's not sort of something that's on the top of my list, you know? Star Wars Rebels is, um, it's interesting. It's, I'm happy that it exists, but it's not, definitely not my favorite show of all time. Clone Wars was way better. Okay. Star Wars and Clone Wars. Well, of course. <laughs> I'm a complete Clone Wars, you know, I right. love that. What would be the top pick for you for TV shows? For TV shows? Well, I mean, that's kind of a tough question because I watch different things for different... Uh, situations like if I if I want to watch something funny like Friends is great but personally my favorite sitcom is How I Met Your Mother. Mm. Um, people tell me that Friends is better, but having seen them both, I, I tend to disagree with that. I find How I Met Your Mother to be much more entertaining. Actually, I have something to say about the comparison between the two. I don't know if this is going right off into television right away here, mm -hmm. but um, I find that the friend that the characters on Friends are more realistic, but it and so that it creates more drama and less comedy. Whereas the characters on How I Met Your Mother are way to the extremes. Like, I've never met anybody who reminds me of a character on How I Met Your Mother. Like, all of their personality traits are just in one side of a spectrum. You know what I mean? Mm. And so it creates some really, really funny moments in that show, which I appreciate. Yeah, I find Friends... Like, I, I haven't seen How I Met Your Mother. Right. But from what I've seen from Friends, um, as much as I, you know, love all the characters, and I do find them realistic... I think just seeing them get into situations is, like, the funniest parts to me. It's mm -hmm. not so much, like, you know, what they say. It's more of the situations they find themselves in. You know, it's every time. I, Joey and his freaking acting classes. <laughs> I love them so much. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's the highlight of that show for me. Yeah, he's definitely, yeah. Um, and in terms of other shows, I mean, Community, obviously, I love. Classic. Um, Dan Harmon is so good. Oh, my God. I agree. Rick and Morty and Community... Um, those are, 
I have I have seen a couple Rick and Morty stuff, but Community's really good. Mm-hmm. I have you seen some like Dan Harmon clips online of just yeah. him ranting? Yeah, they're funny. He um, he's a little bit of a senile old man, but it's a. Uh, it's f- it's funny it's, to watch. It is. He he's he's very articulate and um, he he definitely does not uh, contain any of his dissatisfactions with the television industry. That's for sure. Yeah. No. He his rants are the, some of the best I've seen. I even saw one about like Fallout Four and other video game stuff that he <laughs> ranted about. And I'm thinking, how the heck? I didn't think this was something I could relate to the like creator of Community and like Rick and Morty, right? Right. Like, that's something kind of off the wall. His personality is so unique, I think, because it's not something you see every day with most television, like, writers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, most, like even, um, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, right? Yeah. Like, if I, like, I, like, I just know he's a writer. I don't know anything else about him, you know? Right. But, like, Dan Harmon is someone where I go, oh, I know he does this, this, and this, right? right? Um, yeah, I saw... Um Man, I had something to say and then I forget it. Dang it! But I will say, um, my his rant on "Now You See Me Too" is one of the funniest things. Have you seen it? No. Where he's, <laughs> he's complaining about how they shouldn't have called it "Now You See Me Too," and the entire punchline is they should have called it "Now You Don't." Okay. Yeah. No. I I heard that too. Yeah, and then it was so good. Oh my god, that was hilarious. He just yeah, his rants are some of the most unique things that he has because it's They're not funny. it's not always for one topic. It's always for a variety. I find, mm-hmm. and I just find that to be one of his strengths. Absolutely. Um, other shows, <laughs> other than sitcoms, um, and I'll just do like one. I guess one other thing. Um, there's a few... I like sort of niche stuff. There's one show on Netflix that I'm pretty sure almost no one saw, but I found it absolutely amazing. It was called Altered Carbon. Um, I've seen it. I haven't watched it, though. Okay, okay. It's it's really, really fast. I mean, to me personally, it's really, really fascinating. It's about people who don't die, and their consciousness is in these little chips that they have installed in their brains. And so then once their body dies, they can move the chip and put it in another brain. Oh, that's cool. It is really, really cool. I really enjoyed that show. It's, um, yeah, sci-fi. Huge fan of sci-fi. I have, I have so much respect for Netflix, but sorry, <clears throat> but at the same time, I have so much hate for it because, like, I don't like Thirteen Reasons Why. I don't like um, a lot of their stuff is is clearly made without a lot of effort. Or... Even Fuller House. Mm-hmm. I like. I watched the first season and I thought. This is a really rocky start, but I think they're going to find their footing in the second season. And when the second season came out, I think it's the second season. I hated it. It's so it's so benign. It was always there wasn't any lesson to be learned. There was always someone. Oh, I got eyes on the cutie at the, you know, veterinary or whatever the heck it is. And I have like, I just don't care. You know, like I miss the wacky characters, but I don't know. I just think it kind of ruined it for me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, now there's this... Now Disney Plus and Netflix, um, which which the question kind of becomes, well, who do you, who do you dislike more, I guess? Because Disney Plus um, has all of this amazing content, but it can be... Um, Disney owning everything is a little bit scary, you know what I mean? Disney... Like creating an entire monopoly over the entertainment industry. And then Netflix, of course, is just irritating because it doesn't have what people want it to have and it just keeps pumping out these original series which to my eyes do not have a lot of effort behind them and do not come out as well as some people might like 
Yeah, I I think the Mandalorian being the flagship of Disney is really gonna they're really gonna be pushing every TV show they have to try and get people to convert to Disney Plus. And I've tried Disney Plus. All right, I Jude lent it to me for a bit, mm-hmm. and I tried. Okay, this is people are gonna hate me after this. They're gonna boycott the podcast. I've watched the Mandalorian. I liked I liked the first two episodes. Third one I hated. I'm not watching the fourth. I might just give Jude my money, and say I don't want an account anymore because. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it would be... I, it sounded like a cool arc. Have you seen any of it? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I've seen all of it up to this point, and I absolutely agree with you. I think that it is not very good, personally. <laughs> like, I can't. The first episode had such a cool setup where it was like, oh, that's interesting. He has to make the decision of this and this. He needs more armor. What's he going to do? I thought it would be for every, like, two to three episodes, he would get maybe a new piece of armor, and he would have to make a decision that would impact him or the kid. Is it going to be, oh... He learned something from that dude on the planet where he had to ride the thing and, you know, mm. get back his ship. That was kind of boring. But I thought it's a learning experience. He's very experienced in some areas, but, like, totally like an idiot in others. And right. I wish they would be more consistent, and I wish they had it where he's learning something new and discovering things about himself. Instead of him going, oh, I have a kid, I wonder what I'm going to do, and then, like, you know, do something dumb. What really annoys me about that show is the writing and the pacing. I think that the way that The Mandalorian uses dialogue like when when the character talks i think is is uh misplaced in the story i think it, it could have been like because it's clear they're going for this vibe he's he's kind of legendary right he's this mm-hmm. he's this um you know, yeah he's, he's a loner he, yeah he's a exactly but when you watch the show and then he says these dumb things mm-hmm. at random times it totally it takes the feel totally out of it for me yeah like I find, like, the dialogue for most characters I'm fine with, but I mm-hmm. find with him, there's certain scenes where, um, spoilers, if you don't want spoilers, you know, I guess skip 30 <laughs> seconds later, I don't care. Um, there was at one point, he was in the, it was third episode, he was in the small town, and he, uh, started, he had, like, a crush on that one, like, housewife that, like, got divorced or something a while back or whatever. Yeah. And he was starting, I thought it would be interesting if he knew that he liked her, and she didn't know at all, and, um... Um, you know, he was having to figure out, oh, should I say anything? Or, you know, am I, should I try to hide it? But instead he was kind of just like, I might just chill here for a bit. And then <laughs> later he's like, nah, fam. And then he just leaves. And I'm thinking, what? Like, it just seems so jostled, you know? I feel like they're trying to make something cool, but they're, like, just short, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if they, um, they ran out of money most of the way through. <laughs> Disney running out of money. Yeah, I know. It's n- probably not what happened. Um, in terms of The Mandalorian, though, I will say, the last thing I'll say about this, the latest episode, episode six, I thought was brilliant. Episode... Oh, shit. Um, Is it? Like... You you don't need to watch the other ones to understand episode six. Like, it, it's, not, it's not a linear arc at all, the entire show so far. But I will say, I disliked The Mandalorian immensely for the first five episodes i was like this is this is not the quality that i was expecting from a star wars show like you have all this money and you have all of these cool concepts and ideas that you could bring into this show right but Mm. um and then they just turned out this show which very much disappointed me but episode six i thought was fantastic okay episode six did you ever watch firefly i've watched a couple episodes okay episode six is effectively an episode of firefly with the cast of Suicide Squad. 
I'm not the biggest fan of Suicide Squad. Yeah, me squad, neither. But the, uh, the, some of the character dynamics in Suicide Squad I thought were entertaining. And that's what makes the latest episode of The Mandalorian entertaining is that it's it's a it's almost like a heist. It's like a heist movie. It's it's like a mini Solo. heist movie. Yeah, kinda. It's it's the same sort of vein as Solo is to the Star Wars universe as the Mando as Episode Six is to the Mandalorian show. I really enjoyed Solo. I did too. Um, I think and people then, were so mean about it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, that's the one thing I don't understand is that people are gonna go, oh yeah, Episode Seven, you know. Awesome, and then eight comes out, and people are like, "Oh, episode eight sucks." And then which it, it did. <laughs> it, I did. I don't like either of them. And then Rogue One, people are like, "Oh yeah, Rogue One." I guess that's a thumbs up. And then Solo, people are like, "Nah, fam." And I'm wondering why. I think that the um, a lot of the unhappiness surrounding the Star Wars franchise in mid 2018, when Solo came out, was that you just had the Last Jedi five months before, right? The Last Jedi came out five months before Solo did, and then Solo came out, and everyone was like, why would I pay my money for this? I just watched a bad Star Wars movie. Yeah, I think... They should have released it in December. They should have. The thing with Disney is that they're always really overconfident with a lot of their stuff, and I kind of think it's going to be a a problem for them later. Because I know Disney... and back in the 2000s was really like when Pixar first started making like Toy Story and all the really good classic Pixar stuff. Disney was, I I heard Disney was like kind of like, you know, wanting to get Pixar, but they couldn't really like get them yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I want I want there to be a studio like Pixar again, where it's so like awesome stories and stuff. And I, I think Disney's going to eventually, um, I think they're going to ruin the Star Wars franchise. I'm going to say it right now. I think episode nine is going to be bad. All right, and it, and it, and I I don't know if Kai is watching this. All right, I love Kai. Kai is awesome. All right, but I think Kai he's huge, gonna huge shout out to Kai Bueller. Yeah, Kai. We may have to <laughs> censor that, but we're gonna say Kai just in case. All right, we'll call it. I'm not sure if we'll censor it. Nathaniel probably won't, but okay, okay. So Kai, I don't even know anymore. Whatever. But, but what are you gonna say? I don't know nothing. Okay. Your prediction for episode nine. Okay. Episode nine. I'm all right. It on Friday. Let's hear your prediction. All right. Prediction for episode nine. It's going to have a cool build-up, and then it's going to immediately fall flat because you're going to be going at the very, like, it's going to be close to the climax. You're watching, and you're eating your popcorn. You're going to go, oh, this could set up this, this, and this, and then the climax happens, and you go, what a letdown. And you're going to, like, stare at it, and it's going to sink in, and then it's going to finish, and it'll end with a cool, awesome dance party or something. I don't know. Everyone's going to be dancing. Episode 1 style. Episode 1 style. <laughs> just everyone dancing in the background. Ewoks, are, if Ewoks aren't in Episode 9. I swear to God. I'm going to riot. <laughs> I'm telling you. But I think Episode 9 isn't going to do so good. But I think the Mandalorian is probably going to have to pick up the slack for a lot of it, I think. Because Clone Wars is coming out, like, in three months, right? Clone Wars Season 7 cannot be a disappointment. If that show is a disappointment, I'm losing faith in Star Wars. Okay, I don't think it will. Okay, it's hard, because I know... It's going to be hard for it to be a disappointment, because you've got Dave Filoni... Oh, Dave Filoni. Um, who, who, of course, made the original Clone Wars and never got to finish it and actually cares a lot about the franchise. He does, does not just trying to make a cash grab. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope it's going to be good, and I have high hopes for it. Siege of Mandalore is apparently one of the arcs that's happening. I'm excited for the Bad Batch, because I know... Did you ever watch the unfinished Of course stuff? I yeah, watched okay. all the unfinished stuff. The Bad Batch was my absolute favorite seeing it, and it made me go... This is a Star Wars. Yeah, this it was. A, it was awesome. You know, it was crazy. Uh, even that oh, it makes me remember that one guy. I forget his name. Was it like ninety nine or something? Who was yeah. like the like 
uh, clone. Maintenance clone on Camino. Maintenance clone broke my heart so much. Oh yeah, my that was god. Mm. I love that. Star Wars: The Clone Wars had a lot of highlights. Um, have you been doing Kai's Instagram countdown? Of course, I've been doing the <laughs> countdown every day. I'm always checking it out. You know. Yeah, Kai's got a um, a thing on it on a thing on his Instagram story. His top three Star Wars, whatever, for an advent calendar. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Star Wars, I think, is really special. It mm. has it has a story that can be. Um, that almost anyone can relate to in my in, in my experience. I don't know if this relates to anyone. I don't want to say anything controversial. No, oh, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it has a really really cool story. It has a really cool universe. It has so much stuff. There's there's so much lore. It's it's fleshed out completely. And I think I really really appreciate it about that. There's a lot of people who really have too much time on their hands and <laughs> care a lot about it. And so to see these cool things happen, even if they are disappointments, it's still more to that universe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, It yeah. still makes me happy to watch it. That's why I watched The Mandalorian, right? Like, I don't like it. Well, I didn't <laughs> until episode six, but, like, I still enjoy watching these elements being explored of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I, I think Star Wars, I was... Before episode seven, or maybe it was just after episode seven came out. Listen, episode seven... Maybe a rehashing of four. Still good. It's objectively a good movie. Okay. <laughs> Episode seven is one of those things where you're going, although it's already been made, it would have been cool if it was, like, the same story, different characters, and maybe a new, like, moral to the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it goes, oh, you know, first couple are, like, you know, power will corrupt absolutely, but what if they put maybe instead of, you know the um, First Order in power, they put maybe the Resistance in, like, super high power, sort of, like, Empire level, and then it's the opposite, where the uh, First Order is having to do, like, you know, the classic missile runs on, I don't know, maybe Death Star for the Resistance or something cool like that, and then have the opposite, and then lessons be learned from, like, you know, different Star Wars... um, I don't know, I was going somewhere with this, sorry. Like, just have lessons be learned that are something new and different. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, something like that, but... Mm. Too late now. We're not in charge. Yeah, we're not in charge anymore. Take that, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, she just wants to make money. <sighs> they always want to make money. <laughs> oh. All right, so I have some yeah. questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So let's, let's move on from this. It's been 18... Okay, if you hate Star Wars and you're listening <laughs> to the podcast, this must be hell hate, for you. If you hate television and, and Star Wars and general nerdiness, yeah. God, I'm just... I can just imagine someone right now just going, oh, for God's sake, just move on yeah, to something Ethan else. Yeah, Blanchard now, actually. <laughs> God, all right. Um, are these from uh, from you or from uh, Instagram? Um, most of them are from Instagram. Some okay. of them are from me, though. Okay. Um, so, uh, one of them is: Do you do you have performance anxiety? And if you do, how do you deal with it before going on stage? I have been very fortunate in that I really do not have performance anxiety. What I I did when I was um, much younger because I I also sing in a choir. My first performance experience was singing in my community choir and it, it was a little nerve-wracking but um how i dealt with it then is i um and people say this all the time but just breathing breathing really helps and even if you're not prepared for what you're about to do thinking that you are prepared like convincing yourself that you are ready to do something makes it way better even if the show is a total disaster which i've had my fair share as well of those as well um if you think you can do something, your confidence is what sells the performance. 
Always, no matter what you're performing, if it, whether it be you are presenting visual art or you are singing or dancing or playing jazz music like, mm. uh, or doing anything, if you are not confident on stage, no one will buy it. It's, it's the confidence that sells it. Thinking that you can be able to do something and this is going to sound really cheesy, but but honestly, just believing in yourself mm-hmm. is, I think, the most important piece of advice. And now I'm, I've performed so much. Like I'm, I do I do so many um, things out in in and outside of school in terms of performance that I it's kind of just worn down for me, I guess. And I know that's not true for everybody. I'm very fortunate that happens to me. Um, it's sort of worn down for me, but whenever I go and play piano, I have this routine which always makes me feel more comfortable, and I feel like that might be, like, sort of repetition, I guess, might also help, like, doing the same thing before you go and perform just to get ready, and my my routine is I have to go and I have to um, wash my hands under really, really warm water because playing piano with cold hands is a really bad idea because they get all stiff and stuff. And so washing my hands under, like, really warm water and then drying them to, like, it just it just brings me a level of comfort. Like before every show, I go and do that, and like or that I play piano. I'm not going to do that for choir because. Oh yeah, let me just I wash mean, my hands before yeah, I sing. Yeah, exactly. But um, it it brings a sort of level of rep of repetitive comfort. Like oh, I've done this before. Like I'm just going to go out and do it again. It's going to be great. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand that. Um, what else is in here? Favorite band class moment. What is a moment where just you like? Immediate, what are you doing looking outside? You're trying to trying to think of something? Is there oh. someone outside waving? Oh, no, I can't say what my personal favorite band class moment was. Um, oh, God. Are we going to get, like... <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen here. Um, well, okay. This is a bit... Uh, wait, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this. I'm getting um, a bit nervous now. All right, all right. My favorite band class moment. My favorite band class moments have generally been... Um, during composition season, and that's in like January, February, when we don't really play our instruments and we um, we compose music, like we uh, we write a, a piece of music as an assignment for class, mm-hmm. and I always found that really really fun to do because it it allowed a vehicle for um, personal creativity and expression through music, which I think is sort of lacking in concert band music when you have everything sort of written out for you. That's also why I like jazz, personal expression through music. And last year was especially fun because last year. I don't know if this counts as a band class moment, but the perf- um, we did a showcase of compositions where students got to go and play their, their own compositions or get people to play their compositions. And mm-hmm. Dean Marcinuk, you know Dean. Yeah, I know Dean. Yeah. Huge shout out to Dean Marcinuk. Um, <laughs> Last name included. <laughs> yep. Uh, he and I did our composition project together and we called it What the Funk and it was an aleatoric soup Oh, you told me about this last year, yes. I remember. You were very proud of that, it I remember. It was incredible. It was, um, there was a four-movement piece. The first movement, we stood up on stage and we ate stuff mm-hmm. rhythmically. So, sort of getting into the theory of what is music, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, we were eating stuff and, like, shaking around containers of peanut shells and whatever. And so that was the food movement. And then we had the, um, water movement, which was, I don't know if you know Giant Steps, it's a, it's a, I don't, okay, unfortunately. It's, for the jazz people out there, it was the lick over the Coltrane changes. Um, Did you try and dumb that down for yeah, just yeah. like, just really quickly? Just yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. So it's just, it's a chord, pro- the Coltrane changes are um, a progression in jazz that happens to show up in the song Giant Steps. And it's become sort of a meme in the jazz community. Like it's A the, meme yeah, in the jazz community. Yeah, and so is the lick. We sort of combine two. And, and what I mean by that is that it is 
often considered one of the hardest tunes to solo on, like improvise on, and so people mm -hmm. call it all the time just to be annoying. Like, oh, I'll play giant steps or whatever. And then the lick is a f uh, five note, I think, um, pattern that goes do 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 do. And mm. it shows up everywhere in jazz. You can derive it from the minor pentatonic scale, which is just like, it's, it's, a, a, it's a scale, a collection of notes. And it's, if, you, if you look it up, there's compilations of jazz musicians playing this exact same line throughout the past 100 years of jazz music. And it's just this, the, it, during their solos, while they're improvising, they just play this line, and it's very funny. And so we combined those for the second movement, and we played them on water glasses. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's the most interesting part. <laughs> My mind is still on the fact that there's a jazz meme community or something out there. I want to look that bit. up now. Look up Adam Neely. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, a memer in the jazz community, one could say. <laughs> kind of. Um... And we played it on water glasses, like wine glasses full of water that you then rub your finger along the outside and it goes. Wee. Yeah, I know how yeah, I know yeah, how yeah. glass works. Oh, it's not glass; it's crystal, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's one of them. Yeah, and then the third the third movement was a. Uh, we just we went into my um and again calling out people by name here. Um, uh. <laughs> we we went uh we went and we recorded this with um Thorin Freeman Peters with his uh, recording equipment and. Um, we just recorded us hitting a ton of stuff in his basement mm -hmm. rhythmically, and it sounded really cool. And then our friend Isaac played a drum solo over it live, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth movement, which was my personal, it, um, one of the proudest moments I've ever had, I wrote a Motown sort of funk tune on tuned pop cans. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You told you ranted about this for like thirty minutes, like one lunch hour. I remember you just talking to us about the whole thing, and we're all and we're all going like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." And you kept talking about it, and I was thinking, "Man, there's way more to music than I thought," you know, because you just kept on like going, and I'm and I'm thinking, "Oh, it must be the end." And then you're like, "Wait, I forgot to mention about this one thing," and I'm going, "Oh, there's more," and it was really interesting. But it's one of those things where it's like, "Wow." There's where there's sorry <clears throat> there's way more to this stuff than you think a lot of the time. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the, I that's that's a whole other kind of worms that <laughs> we should get into in a second. More to music than what meets the ear, but um, the the tin can movement. Um, it was it was awesome. We got we got five of us to play the entire composition. So Dean and I wrote it, and mm -hmm. then we got Thorin and Isaac and Eamon to play it with the two of us, and um. We wore these silly outfits. There's a picture of us in the yearbook in our silly outfits um, and sunglasses. It was, it was a lot of fun. So that's, um, that's my favorite band class moment. There is absolutely more to music than most people here. And um, yeah. What do you think of bad music, though? Because I know whoa, you were whoa, doing... Whoa, 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 okay. whoa, whoa, okay. Calling okay. music bad, I think, is... Calling music, calling any art objectively bad, I think is kind of. What about the banana taped to a hecking wall that sold for like a million dollars? Okay, great. Someone ate it. <laughs> Someone ate it, and it, and they have to pay like a million dollars now, apparently. And I'm worried. Is modern art just taping a damn banana to the wall? So the worst reaction that you can have to art is going, eh, whatever. If it elicits no response. I right? have no response for a banana taped against the wall. Well, no, wall. you clearly do, right? You're angry. I do now that people are buying it. Yes. Yeah, so no, that's but, a response to art. But who in the world would go, there's, okay, all right, 
they're bidding on the banana tape to a wall, all right? <laughs> Everyone's looking at it, and no one is interested in it because it's so dull, and no one has put any money. The only reason people are paying attention to the banana is because someone bid, like, a million dollars, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering, like... What happened? And is it, like, the fact that there's money that we're labeling to the, like, banana? Or is it, like, is it more of just people seeing value in something that that someone else doesn't? And that's why we, like, you know, see it more often and just criticize it. Well, I'm going to give you, like, a, another question off of that. What do you think of the talus dome, the big silver balls? Okay, you've told me about, like, your dad or something being involved in the placement of that or something. Yeah. The balls... Frankly, um, I saw a really funny, like, I, I'm, I'm a Reddit user, and I saw, I was on the Edmonton Reddit site, and someone had created a giant, like, bunny you know, out of the same chrome material, and someone made a comparison of the bunny droppings, like, basically <laughs> the balls being bunny droppings, and I thought that was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, um, that's a metaphor that's that's come up, but the giant silver balls are not meant for people to like them. They're meant to get people talking about public art in the city, and they have fulfilled their mandate within that. People are really mad about those. They cost $600,000. I know that. That's a lot of that. Um, those giant silver balls, um, they are there to get the public interested in public art, which they did. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've accomplished their goal, by, even yeah. if it's a roundabout so, way, right? So I think that calling them bad art is... Is kind of it's it's like in math when you have ten I don't know what it is ten of zero is undefined or something I feel like it's the wrong question like something saying, along those lines and right so then you can you can apply that to music too if we and music is art that's you can disagree with that if you like but <laughs> <laughs> um, so saying what do I think of bad music music I don't think can be bad I think that you can be able to enjoy music or not enjoy music and so when someone says to you this music is bad what they really mean is they don't like it mm. you are allowed to like whatever you want and you shouldn't be judged for it right so i think that saying certain music is bad is it's so it's disrespectful to the art form yeah you know what i mean and i mean of course i don't like certain music but yeah that's it's and it's great that we have these differences of opinion right you like certain art and i like different art right and that's totally fine and that should be allowed and Mm. accepted and I think that um, that's really important and so when I did that on my on my Instagram story a few days ago um, give me music to rate I was just I was just seeing like what other what other people thought and like my ratings did not reflect the technical prowess of the artist they did not reflect my views on the person who submitted it it was just did I did I like it or did I not and lots of music I don't like and that's fine yeah I think music Especially in the music industry, music can be very, um, like, it can be one of those things where it can either be very hit or miss, or it can be, like, widely appeal, like, it can be widely appealing mm -hmm. to a certain music, but it's not, like, the ones that you really love, you know? Right. What about soundtracks? Also, I heard the Minecraft soundtrack out there. I love that <laughs> so much. But, like, if you were to choose between, like, favorite soundtracks versus favorite songs, okay. which one would win? All right, this can be video games, okay, movies. This is, this, is like this is like the TV show question, right? I like, di I like different things for different things, but if, if I had to choose one, like one, one type of music just for the rest of my life? Yeah, that one. Which one? Oh, boy. It's a tough one, isn't it? You look in pain right now. I mean, it's... 
I was not expecting to answer this question. Um, I have more too. <laughs> don't you worry. It's good. It's just down uphill from like here. A lightning round. Um, I'd probably stick with jazz for the rest of my life. Okay. Because of the variety. That's well. That's fair. That's jazz fair. jazz encompasses so many different subgenres and styles and ideas in music and I what what really made me fall in love with it was the improvisational element. There's entire sections of songs in jazz that are devoted to individuals just making stuff up on the spot. And I think that's awesome. And the fact that we're able to listen to that and appreciate that is amazing. Yeah. That being said, I do not only like jazz music. What are the Let's just keep going. Yeah, um, yeah. I do not only like jazz music. I'm a big fan of other kinds of music. What's a music that people don't expect you to like? Like, what's one Bruno that's like... Bruno Mars. Love Bruno Mars. Which songs? Twenty-four. The entire 24 Karat Magic album. Love it. Really? Yep. Okay. Wow. Okay, what is, what is some really respected music that you just hate with a passion? Ooh. It can be modern, it can be really old, like something from, I don't know. I don't know, I don't really like ABBA, or Earth, Wind, and Fire. Well, okay. You're playing with fire now, alright? <laughs> you cannot mess with Earth, Wind, and yeah, Fire. Yeah, see, but like... It's... ABBA I can understand, because it's kind of like that like weird 70s vibe, right? Yeah, um, and I mean, like, that's, that's, that's fine, um... Yeah, I'm personally not a not a, not a huge fan of those. I mean, I like some Earth, Wind, and Fire songs, just like I dislike some Bruno Mars stuff. I mean, I don't like a hundred percent of what he does. And I mean, like I like September. September's a, September's a jam. Okay. It's great. Just making sure because I do not dis September. September's a it's good, good song. It's fine. Um, yeah, so I feel like that's um, and then I like um, soundtracks a lot. My favorite soundtracks, of course, being Star Wars. I mean... Well, Star Wars is so good. John Williams, right? John Williams. He has done so much, and he's so talented. It's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, he is ordained in the eyes of God, in my opinion. Like, yeah. he, um... There's only one man ordained in the eyes of God to me, and that's Jared Steele. Jared okay. Steele... You can think that. That's fine. It's You're cat. allowed to be wrong. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. You just said no one can be wrong with music. Why not with people? Jared is an absolute god. If you believe Jared is an absolute god, um... I don't know, give him a shout-out? I don't even know. Um, Sorry, but continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Williams, amazing. And, you know, a lot of music these days, when you see it under the names of these composers, like Michael Giacchino or Danny Elfman or Hans Zimmer or whatever, it's not actually them. It's them, and they hi they were hired, and then they hired a group of people to write music under their name. John Williams does not do that. John Williams does not do any digital recording or composition whatsoever. He has a grand piano at his house. Mm. He doesn't have an email address or phone or anything. He just Whoa. sits there and okay. he writes the music. That's crazy. Man, that's dedication to the craft. I know, right? It's in it's incredible. And John Williams, amazing. Top three John Williams, obviously the Star Wars soundtrack, Harry Potter soundtrack. He did the first three Harry Potter movies. Oh, and wow. the soundtrack to those movies are incredible. They're magical to me. I love them. And um, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, exactly. Indiana Jones is so good. In terms of other soundtracks, though, I will say Star Wars Rogue One was not composed by my, by um, John Williams. I still like the soundtrack a lot. I, the, I don't even remember it, and I think that makes it, at least for me, I might listen to it later, I don't think it's that good if I don't remember it. You know, like the Imperial March is something that I have down to memory because I've right, listened to course. it. I know it. I love it. Right. But if it's a soundtrack that I've listened to before and I don't really know it, 
like by name or like, oh, I know this is from this. I kind of don't think it's one of those songs where I'm going, oh, mm-hmm. you know, that's really good. In but, terms of other soundtracks, I have a few more things to say. Uh, Marvel does not have amazing music, but one of their movies does. Iron Man 3. Love the Iron Man 3 soundtrack. Yes. Um, also, you know the show, I don't know if you know the show Tron Uprising. I've s- Tron Uprising is great, but also the, the movie Tron Legacy had, movie, had music composed by Daft Punk, was awesome. Oh, I know, I've heard, I've heard of Daft Punk before. What's okay, what's up with Tron, alright? I know you like it a lot, but I love I've, Tron. I've never seen the appeal. Tron's great, it's about, it's about programs in a computer that manifest as people. Hmm. In computers. So the entire like, story takes place inside a computer, mm. where the people are individual programs. Oh, that's cool. It's so cool! And, like, they they have, like, these battles in which they have discs on their back, and they throw the discs at each other, and there's, like, s- so cool spaceships. The best Tron content is Tron Uprising. It's a show. It's on Disney Plus now. You should go Ooh. watch it. Um, Tron Legacy, the movie, is pretty good, and the original Tron, of course, is a masterpiece of film. First film ever to use CGI in 1977, if I'm not mistaken about that. Whoa, okay. Um... But Tron, Tron Uprising, the television show, it takes place in between the two. Absolutely brilliant. I think we need to um, move yeah, we'll, on a little. Yeah, we'll be wrapping it up. We only have a minute, and then okay, it's going to be Let's, let's get through these facts. All right, all right, rapid fire, okay? I'm going to be asking you questions. Try and answer them in 10, ten seconds. Ten seconds, seconds all right? Go. All right. Um, all right, three, two, one. Uh, where do you want to go with music? McGill University. I want to go be a jazz musician. But if that doesn't happen, I've been accepted to the U of A for astrophysics. Wait for that to be done. How does someone get into music and pursue it outside of school programs? Get some, uh, choose an instrument you like, get some lessons, and then um, uh, find community stuff. Like community choirs, community bands is a great way to get into it. Um, I'd go into more with that, but we can't right now. Uh, What drew you to playing the piano? And someone told me you play the tuba? Yes, I play piano um, a lot. I've been playing piano for 10 years, I think. Um, my, My choir director, actually... Uh, told me she taught piano, and I went home when I was six years old, and I asked my parents if I could play piano with her. And uh, yes, I do play tuba in concert band. I played flute in concert band, and I decided I didn't like it, so now I play tuba, and um, also a little bit of tenor saxophone. If you could play music uh, music with any musician slash band, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh my god, you can't ask me that. Nine, eight, uh, seven. Do I get to like? Six, do I like to make five, a, no, make, make four, a, make a, make three, a group? two, okay, 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 one. Fine. I would play, hurry. I would play music composed specifically for me by Beethoven, and I would play it with my favorite jazz pianist of all time, Bill Evans, and I would also play it with probably Charles Mingus and um, Chris Potter on tenor saxophone, and um, that would be awesome. Uh, all right, awesome. Um, how does someone... Oh, tch, 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 why, uh, why are you at Vic? What drew you to Vic in the first place? Um, what drew me to Vic? Um... I had I had a couple friends who went here and they said you might really like it here because um, I was kind of in a very negative environment in elementary school I uh, uh, and so I mostly came here because everyone was so accepting and kind to me and did not um, uh, call me lame or bully me because I didn't like sports so <laughs> mm, no I mean I appreciate that I'm here it's nice all right yeah all right, definitely all right all right all right, all right, all right. Uh, final question okay um, who are you inspired by? At Vic. At Vic? At Vic. Doesn't have to be at Vic if you don't want to answer that, but who, who, who inspired you to maybe pursue... I'll link this into two questions. Who are you inspired by at Vic that you want to try and go, ooh, I want to be like X person? 
Alright, this could be like a person. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. And then the other question is, who are you inspired by at a young age to uh, play the piano? Like, I know you said your teacher, but John is there... Williams, John course. Williams. John Williams. Just always. Um, and then my parents played me classical piano, played me classical music. I love it. Mozart. <laughs> so I guess you could call Mozart. Um, that, uh, in terms of people at Vic who I inspire, um, in terms of musical ability, Eamon Vandenberg, drummer. Mm-hmm absolutely inspires me every day to become a better musician in terms of person at Vic. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's so there's, many. There's Yeah, there's a lot of people who, um, who I really look up to. And so it's sort of a combined influence. But yeah. Yeah. What else? Um, I think that's all the questions I have for now. Also, cool. I found I found this on the internet when I, when I was doing research and stuff. Uh, uh-huh. What do you get when you uh, combine jazz and funk? You get junk. Uh, I I could be the joke of the week again. I could be the new Luke. Yes, you could be the new Luke Nelson. New Luke Nelson. Huge shout out to Luke Nelson. Great guy. Oh, he inspires me. He inspires me to be a better person every day of the week, but he doesn't go to Vic anymore. But he... Yeah, he's dead to us now. He's an absolute inspiration to me. I love Luke Nelson. Luke Nelson? God. Okay, do you want to do the... Okay, for for the outro, you could either like... Sing something, but first I'm gonna give you a Pokemon card. All right. uh, this is a Keldo EX. Ooh. I think I pronounced that right. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah. Put this up on our wall. Ah, thank you. It's a it's a collector's edition. All right. So we have two options for the end of the podcast. Okay. Right. Okay. We could say Good Morning Victoria School. All right. Just like Luke Nelson does, because I I want to do that more often. Or we can try and just improvise and then have an outro that way. All right. I'm giving you two decisions. Well, we're going to improvise it. We're going to improvise it. All right, improvise it? Okay. Uh, you lead, and I'll try and join in with, like, you know, however you do it, okay? Today's episode was sponsored by uh, The Gap Kids. The Gap Kids. Um, make sure to get all of your uh, small the Gap. Children, children's clothes from The Gap the, Kids. Specifically the kids section. We'd like to thank them for sponsoring this episode of the of the Victoria podcast. Um, I'd like to thank Luke for um, having me on today. It was an amazing experience, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, there wasn't really much of a beat to that end of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, Thanks for having me, bro. 